Early in worship, we try to make a space for us to kind of come together and be present with one another. Today, we began with a video talking about prayer as an outward and an inward experience, as the opportunity to be changed and transformed, as well as to reach out to change and transform the world in which we find ourselves. Now, some of you are, and some of us are gathered in this space, and some of us are gathered online, and some of us are gathering online later on in the week, whenever you're gathering. But one of the things I think that's helpful sometimes when we pray, you know, I've told you before, I think the Bible is pretty clear that all space is sacred. There is no space you can go to that's more sacred than some other space. It's all sacred. But if we can learn to recognize the sacredness of certain spaces, we begin to get the feel, you know, it's, it's not just this building that happens to be a church or that building that happens to be a mosque or that, church, that building that happens to be a synagogue or any of the other kinds of religious spaces in the world uh, that any space can be sacred. But first we must see in the particular the sacred. So one of the things I'm going to invite you to do now is something I've, I don't think I've ever invited you to do before. Wow, something new. Uh, and the new thing I'm going to invite you to do is to, in your mind, draw a circle around yourself right where you are right where you are, that chair that you're in, that coffee shop you might be watching from, uh, maybe you're just listening and you're in the driver's seat of your car as you're just listening to the voice as it rises. Whatever it is, I invite you to draw in your mind an imaginary line around you to say, this space I'm sitting in, this place I'm standing is sacred. This is where I'm coming to meet God. In fact, every time you sit down to pray, wherever you are in the world, I encourage you to take a step back before you get in that chair, before you get into that space, and imagine that there is a line between you and that chair, and that stepping over that line is stepping into a sacred, holy, set-apart space where you're going to go to meet God. So for me, I might step back over here and imagine that space over there is sacred space. And I step into it, and now I'm in that sacred space. I'm held here uh, in God's eternal love, held up, cradled like a baby, held up and cradled by an eternal God. This is sacred space. This breath, this air I'm breathing in this space is sacred air. And I let it out. And just as I took in the sacred air that surrounds me, I let the sacred air back out into the world as God's love flows in and through me. And I breathe in that sacred air again. And I let it go into the world around me. This space can be sacred. Wherever you are can be sacred. In this building, if you happen to be in the building, this can be sacred. If you happen to be at home and you want a space to pray, draw that imaginary line. 
That's the sacred space. When you step over the line, you're in a sacred space. It's a God space. And then eventually, maybe, if you can recognize that one space is sacred, you begin to recognize all space is sacred. And then you can pray anywhere. I used to think it was magical the way I sat in my chair at home. And then the chair moved from the family room with boxes stacked around it because there were all these boxes from the old building that hadn't moved anywhere yet except into a wall that surrounded my little tiny prayer space. Uh, as I moved from there to a location in my office and then another location in my office and now a third location in my office where the chair fits best and where I sit every morning. And that, that space is sacred to me. But it turns out I can sit in the living room and pray. I can sit in the bedroom and pray. I can lay down and pray. And all those spaces are sacred. But it took me focusing on one to recognize them all, to see them all. Breathe, be present in your sacred space where you are right now, because that space where you are is sacred. The first prayer I remember learning, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That is the earliest prayer I remember learning. Um, uh, it might not surprise you, I do not pray that prayer when I lay down now. Uh, I, I do think that being aware of my impermanence, that I might die at any time, is a good thing. But if I'm a small child, I'm not sure that's the first thing that should be on my mind or the last thing as I'm going to sleep. But, you know, it's the prayer that I was taught. Uh, Rockabye baby in the treetop. You know, it, it, there's a lot of things I remember from that childhood prayer. The first prayer I learned in church uh, was the Lord's Prayer. And we kept repeating it until I finally got it. And it was sort of a mark of arrival that you could say our, the Our Father. You know, uh, that was prayer. And I came to realize and believe through a lifetime that prayer was about words. My first appointment as a pastor uh, was at Hinton Avenue United Methodist Church in Charlottesville. I was a licensed local pastor and I was the associate pastor and they appointed me there, which just in, in means the bishop sent me there and by sending me there empowered me to be the pastor in that location, so I was. And I can remember how important it was to the senior pastor, Tommy. His name was uh, 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 Thomas Oder. Tommy, I always called him. Um, Tommy prayed the way that he felt like uh, he had been raised to pray. And when he talked to God, he felt it was really important that you use specific kinds of words. The Middle English words that we, we learned Thee and thou. Thou art great, O God. Um, because it felt like a higher way of talking to God. It was the words that, uh, that mattered. 
Well, if you were watching that first video we saw today, that first video talked about um, words, the outward expression, but it also talked about inward transformation as being what, part of what prayer is all about. I have focused almost entirely most of my life on the words, on the transaction with God that I had going on. In fact, I learned relatively early on in high school, it wasn't really part of the United Methodist curriculum, but it was some, uh, I remember someone doing a teaching on what prayer should look like. And they used ACTS, A-C-T-S, Prayer should be adoration, which is just, hey, God, you're amazing. Woo! Adoration. Contrition. I am really sorry because I have dropped the ball so many times this week. Contrition, I'm sorry. Thanksgiving. Thanks for a new day. It's a little overcast, but thanks anyway. I like an overcast day because the, you know, the alternative is no day at all. I'm thankful for that. And then the last S is supplication. I bow before your greatness. I give my life to you. Your will be done. Not mine, yours. But they were all about words. A-C-T-S is all about words. I think prayer is about something more than words. I wanted to share with you a passage. Jesus teaches about prayer. Um, what's interesting to me, I saw this meme, I shared it on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, you probably saw it. It wasn't a meme, it was really a, it was a statement about, uh, about the fact that what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount was all about how and what to do. And it wasn't until the church decided to write the first creed that it was about what we believed and didn't talk at all about what or how we do. So I thought, let's go to the guy who really founded the whole thing. Let's listen to Jesus tell us about what prayer might look like. I'm reading to you from uh, the Gospel of Matthew. That's where the Sermon on the Mount is. And I'm reading in chapter 6, beginning with verse 5. And when you pray... Here we go. When you pray, he's getting ready to tell us how. And when you pray, don't behave like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing up in the synagogue and on the street corner for people to see them. The truth is, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go to your room, shut the door, and pray to God who is in secret. And your Abba God who sees all in this, all that is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles. They think God will hear them if they use a lot of words. Don't imitate them. Your God knows what you need before you ask it. This is a reading from the gospel of our Lord. Praise be to God. Don't be like the Gentiles who babble on and on. 
How many times in my own life have I thought I could get God's attention if I just used enough words? God, I'm going to start right now, and I have got a list of things I need to cover with you, and I am going to ask you, and then I'm going to beg you, and then I am going to throw myself before you, and then I am going to plead with you. I am going to cajole you. I am going to reach out to you. I am going to grasp after you. You know, uh, if I had written sentences like that in high school English, the word redundant would have appeared multiple times. And yet sometimes we think that if we yell loud enough, if we say enough words, God's will, God will pay attention. God might hear us. It's just like, uh, it, it's a really funny story in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. Uh, the story of Elijah when he's challenged the prophets of the other God, Baal. And, you know, to, to kind of make a sacrifice and see which God really is God. So the prophets of Baal, you know, do things. They scream out to God, their God. They scream out and ask him to show up. They start cutting themselves, thinking that God will pay attention. Their God will pay attention if they've got blood coming out of them. They do everything possible to attract attention. You know, and then Elijah makes a little fun of them. Don't make fun of other people's gods. I, I don't think that's a good thing. But Elijah did. And Elijah says, huh, maybe your God's asleep. Maybe if you shout a little louder, God will wake up. I think that we're just like those prophets of Baal. We think that we have got to shout louder. We've got to do something to prove it so that God will hear us. You know, one of the strongest affirmations we make about God in the Bible that God is love. Not that God has love as an aspect of God, but that God is love. When you say the word love, you're talking about God. When you say the word God, you're talking about love. The two are inseparable. Do you think God doesn't love you? Do you think that God doesn't care what happens to you? I think sometimes the way I talk to God in my prayers is as if I think I need to remind God that God promised to fix all my problems. Which, by the way, not what God promised. God never promised me that God would fix my problems. Now, I do have to say, for years and years and years, I used to tell the congregation in the old building that I prayed for a red Ferrari and that God had not seen fit to give me a red Ferrari yet. And then one Sunday... Someone who thought that it was time to straighten me out uh, came and brought me a matchbox car, a red Ferrari, just like Magnum P.I., a show from the 80s, drove. And then I had one so I could stop praying for a red Ferrari. So then I started praying for a black Maserati. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, of course. I'm kidding. Listen, we... We have said about God that God knows everything, that God loves everything, and that God has all the power in the universe. And yet we somehow think that we have to beg God with enough words, make deals with God with enough words to get God on our side. As if God's not already on your side. God 
is on your side all the time. Even when you're messing up, even when you're dropping the ball, God is always on your side. God always loves you. God is always with you. There is no way that you can escape from God. You may not feel God, and our first video talked a little bit about that. You may not feel God's presence. God may feel absent to you, but you can't always trust your feelings. Maybe you're not feeling the right way. Maybe there's more to it than you imagined in that whole picture. I don't know. But the bottom line is you can never be abandoned by God. And it says here in the text, Jesus makes it clear, God already knows what you need. You don't have to tell God what you need. So if, if, if prayer isn't just making a list uh, and checking it twice and passing it along to the Santa Claus in the sky, what is it? For the longest time, I thought that I was an originator of prayer. I pinged it off God, who was somewhere else altogether, and that it bounced off, and if I prayed it right, at the right angle, its trajectory was to bounce off God and bounce on to somebody who needed some help. That's when I imagined God was out there somewhere. I don't, I don't know exactly where, but maybe over in that direction. Or maybe... Maybe up there. No, no, no. What about over there? Until I began to realize there is no place that God isn't. God is everywhere. How can I ping it off of God over there? What if prayer is not me asking God to do something, but instead opening a channel within myself so that spirit so that God's power flows through me to do whatever it is. What if when we use the word spirit, when we use the word love, when we use even the word God perhaps, that what we're talking about is a subtle energy that we just don't have the ability to measure yet. For the longest time, we didn't have things, we didn't have the ability to measure atoms or quarks and a lot of that we don't even really measure, we're kind of guessing. And as soon as you measure them, you can't figure out where they are. And as soon as you figure out where they are, you can't measure how fast they're going. It's a mess. What if God is, uh, what if God's energy, God's spirit, God's power in the universe is just a subtle energy that we don't understand, slightly more subtle, not form, not electricity, or any other form of energy but something deeper, something different, something we can't measure. And what if prayer is simply my opening the channel within me so that God can not only work in me, but through me? So that when I say, let's pray for the people of Ukraine, what we're all doing when I say those words out loud is using the symbol of the people of God, because the word people of Ukraine People, those three words are symbols. They point to real, live, living souls across the ocean from us. People that matter to God. So when I say those words out loud and I invite you to pray, what I'm inviting you to do is open your heart and let the love of God not be stopped up on you, but flow through you into the world. And if enough of us are, have you ever had one of those, 
If you're not on Facebook, you've, you've never seen one of these. I have friends. I have a lot of friends. Uh, not as many as some people, not as few as others, but I have a lot of friends. And I have several of them who are regularly calling on their prayer warriors, people who will pray. Because I used to think, and maybe they think, maybe they're further along on this journey than I am. I used to think that if enough of us prayed, we could convince God to do something different than what God's already doing. But what if instead of me convincing God, what God's asking me to do is open myself up so that God's love will flow into the world? And it may flow out in physical action, in changing realities. It may mean that that call to me means tomorrow I hop on a plane and I fly to Poland and I walk across the border into Ukraine because that's what God's called me to do. I may physically be called to do that. But chances are pretty good that's not what I'm physically called to do. What I am physically called to do is to be open to the power of God's spirit as it flows through me in prayer so that the world and the fabric of the life we're living in will change. When you pray, you open a door for God to ambush you right where you are so that you fall in love more deeply with God but you also open yourself up to God's flow through you into the world. And sometimes that flow happens with these. We talk about it all the time. Mark Hayes taught me an important prayer when we used to pray together in the old building as we were figuring out what was, God, make us your hands and feet in this world. We want to be your hands and feet in this world, physically active. When we go to Appalachia Service Project, physically making a difference in the life of Appalachians, folks who live in Appalachia, whose houses need to be warmer, safer, and drier. Physically, we make a difference. When we used to do rebuilding together in, in, in D.C. every year, uh, or in Alexandria for us, when we used to do that, we were making a difference in a person's life, using our hands and feet. Now, sometimes we use our mouths. Sometimes when we see somebody in pain, we just say, you know, you're loved. I love you. You are loved. You are precious. You matter, not only to me, but to God, just like you are. And sometimes your words are God's action on that person to bring forth a peacefulness, a sense of value, a sense of purpose. But sometimes prayer is what Jesus first talks about in verse 5 of chapter 6 in Matthew. And that is, when you pray, don't make it a show. When you pray, it's not a show. It's not how many wonderful words you can say and how beautifully eloquent those words are. Because eloquence is not what God's after. Go into your private room. Now, I used to think that was private. I, I, I thought that meant into a whole other room, a prayer room. What if Jesus is talking about the inner room of your heart? Go into the quiet place in here. Go into the room where God dwells and be open to whatever God will do because God knows what's going on inside you. 
Heck, when I go into my prayer chair, Linda knows exactly what I'm doing. Maybe nobody else does. When Josh used to live with us, Josh knew what I was doing. If they came and saw me, Reedy, our dog, does not always know what I'm doing. Sometimes she thinks I'm sitting in a location. She wants to come over and be near me. And so she does. Reedy comes over. She sees that I'm sitting there quietly with my hands in my lap and my eyes closed. And so she thinks, oh, this is an opportunity for James to pet me. So she takes her, her nuzzle and she hits me on the hand. Now, there was a time that used to make me mad, but... Uh, and, and then I would come out of prayer and say, Reedy, go back in your bed. <laughs> I wasn't really praying then. Because if I was really praying, I'd recognize that maybe God just wanted to get my attention. God just wanted me to know that God loved me back. And God stirred up my dog. And the dog came over and tapped me with her nose to say, you know what? God loves you, James, right where you are. You may not feel it otherwise. But that little nuzzle, that's God saying, hmm, just so you know, I'm here, I'm with you, I love you. That might be a way to think about it. God stirring up spiritual energy around me, even in my dog, who more than often drives me a little crazy, but whom I love and who loves me back. It's not about your words, although saying words can focus your prayer. People of Ukraine, Tracy, Leanne, Molly, Katie, Gabby, Haley, Megan, Manon, Brendan, Linda, Joshua, Hannah, all of you. When we say those names aloud, they become a pointers for the spiritual energy that we're pouring out to God. So words can be used, if only to point our hearts and our prayers out into the world. I want to encourage you to think about prayer this week as something other than sending words out there. And recognize God's already all around you. And maybe what you're doing when you pray is releasing God's energy into the world in ways that it might not have other been re otherwise been released. Maybe you'll be called and changed to do something different. But maybe all you need to do, all you're called to do right now, is open that channel and let God do what God will do in and through you. Prayer is not just sending something out. It's opening ourselves up to be the conduit of God's work in the world. It may be with our hands and feet, maybe with our mouth or our ears or our eyes, or it could simply be in a subtle way that you and I don't even understand but the world has changed. Think of prayer as more than just words, as a releasing of spirit into the world. At least that's how I've come to see it. As a way of visualizing that, as a way of thinking about that, as a way of reflecting on that, today we're gonna to do something a little unique. We're not going straight into prayer, but James, you just talked about prayer. We're gonna 
watch a reflective video, and that reflective video is going to invite us to see in the traditional words of a prayer that's attributed, I believe, to St. Patrick. Christ before you, Christ above you, Christ around you. Hear those words, the Christ who is all around us, released into the world as we reflect together. Christ is with you. Christ is with you. Christ has been, Christ will be, but Christ is with you in this moment. We're going to do something slightly different in prayer today, and that something is I'm going to simply name some situations in the world, and as I name them, we'll sit in silence for just a moment 
as you stretch your heart out, open yourself to unleash God's spirit through you into the world in love. So when I say the people of Ukraine, sit and let that flow through you. Hold them in your mind. Our siblings who are dying in Ukraine. So that's what we'll do for just a couple of moments. We'll end with the Lord's Prayer. I'll simply say, and we'll pray as Jesus taught us, I'll begin, and you can join me in whatever language you know and in whatever form or prayer you know or the one that will be on the screen. But let's enter into a moment of, uh, of prayer together. I will speak names and situations, and I will invite you to open your heart and pour out God's love. The people of Ukraine... The people of Burkina Faso. The people of Guatemala. the people of Nepal. The people of Virginia. The people of Alexandria. the people of the world. Tracy and his ankle. Family. friends, enemies, all those in need and suffering. And let us pray now 
the prayer Jesus modeled for us and his disciples. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.